This is Kyle Cord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. <laughs> you jumped up and... That's Austin Nate. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm feeling sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got got Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies for Kirk Street and Atlanta. Time will get to reschedule soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. What's going on, everybody? It's 8.30, 9.30, 30 Eastern somewhere. Who knows what time it is, but it is time for another episode of Debbie Debate or possibly some future named college football show that we'll get to at some point in general. That's Chris Moxley. I am Matt Bruning. We're going to be talking all kinds of rankings tonight. Chris, are you a you big movie guy? Uh, depends on the movie, but I wouldn't call myself a cinephile. Okay. I'm watching this movie, Killers of the Flower Moon. Have you seen it? No, but it's on my list. It's just really long, and so yes, I'm, I'm wondering yes. if, I have to, if I have to break it up by multiple days. I'm 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 debating on doing that. We're doing this show a little bit earlier tonight. I think I'm an hour and a half in. I've got an hour and a half left. It's very intriguing. Finding some things out now. Hour half in. Obviously, Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, kings of cinema. Martin Scorsese himself directing. Great movie, great movie on Apple TV Plus. If you guys haven't watched it, I'm sure you guys are here actually for the college football talk, but I figured I'd throw that out there. Very intriguing movie so far. All right, Chris, we're going to do all kinds of ranking stuff tonight. We're going to start with our top 10 C2C rankings. Uh, if you've been following me on Twitter, I've already dropped my quarterback, running back. Also, did those on a Camps to Canton live show. We have not gotten yours. I have seen yours. Very, very intriguing. So I want you to walk me through your top 10 quarterbacks for the 2024 season. So I have Jackson Arnold number one. I think that's slightly aggressive, but I saw him in the bowl game and I saw him come in a couple times this year and I thought he looked pretty good. I think there's enough to work with there to tell me that he is not only a 
technically proficient quarterback, but also a very high upside quarterback. I think he's really good. I think he could be excellent for Oklahoma. Number two, Nico Imalieva, who I think you can make a really good case for being number one. I thought his bowl game was excellent uh, against a really good Iowa defense, by the way. Like that is that is for a true freshman to come in there and perform against Phil Parker's defense. That that's legit. Um, I got Arch Manning three. Well, real quick before you get into Arch Manning. Yes. Why, why Nico behind Jackson Arnold? Cause I, but you're, you're more of a CFF guy than me. So I want to ask the question. I think the argument can be made that Nico will have a better CFF season, possibly this year and next year over Jackson Arnold. And yeah. I think personally, he's got at least an NFL tool that you can bet on going forward. I don't necessarily see Jackson Arnold. His arm for Nico. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I like my quarterbacks to like, he still is in a good weight. Like he's added weight, but he's still super skinny. Like, I just don't know that profile is going to translate okay. until we see him. And uh, he might, I mean, he added weight this year. He might continue to add weight. I thought what I saw from Jackson Arnold was like exciting. I don't know if I have a good comp for him quite yet, but I saw enough from him to be confident that he's going to be a high end producer as well. So the CFF aspect might be like, I'm not sure I have one above the other, I guess I should say. Gotcha. Okay, fair. All right, continue. Arch Manning at three. Arch Manning at three. Just think he's still good. I haven't seen anything to move off of his evaluation. I, I know he's behind Quinn next year, but Quinn is uh, fairly injury prone. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some of him. And I mean, he might win the job at that point, which you know, would be interesting if he comes in and performs well. Uh, I got kind of Wegman next. I feel, let me preface all this with saying, I don't like the quarterback landscape in college okay. football currently. Um, I have no idea if I like Connor Wegman or not, but I saw enough early on in the season to think that he has some tools. Uh, Drew Aller. I think that he can be unlocked with the new offense that's coming in. But again, still a major projection. And I, I liked him last year too. So I'm just basically doubling down on, on my potentially wrong opinion. Uh, I have Dante Moore next, although I think that might honestly be a mistake. I, I don't know what to think of him. I think Oregon's a good situation. That's where he was originally committed. But again, I, I don't know. Uh, Carson Beck after which, you know, that's just me saying, I think Carson Beck's a pretty darn good quarterback. All right, someone someone at our company has him as QB1, so I'll let you figure out who that person oh, is. Oh, I already know who it is. Yeah. He's a good player, though. I mean, he is. He I'm is. not going to knock him. I think that he's substantially better than Stetson Bennett was. Um, as a passer, I agree. Yes. Yeah. yeah so here's, here's my argument. Because So you have him, what is that, eight? QB8, you have him? Seven? Yeah. QB8. QB8. I think that's a fair ranking for him. I have him at QB five, I believe five or six. I think that's a fair ranking for him. My argument to Felix was number one is egregious because I don't think he's putting up a CFF season. I think he finishes a QB 30 or lower in CFF last year. I don't think the offense gets more explosive this year, at least passing wise. No. He was extremely efficient. So like, I don't see him being more efficient in 2024. And I personally don't see round one quarterback. I think he's definitely a day two guy. I don't see round one quarterback. 
So like, and that's I, where I'm yeah. kind of confused by QB one overall. Like I get it. If you want to say, you know, if you want to talk about the projections of Jackson Arnold and Nico to the NFL, and that's fair. I mean, you can honestly make that argument for everybody we're talking about. I don't think any of these guys have safe, NFL projections, but at least those guys are giving you something on the college side to like make it worth drafting them at the number one QB spot. And I know I'm going to get, well, I told you about Zach Wilson and I told you about Anthony Richardson. You also told us about like <laughs> uh, Carson Strong, who didn't even get drafted. And Jake Hayner was like a day two guy, went round four. There's, there's others you've missed on, my friend. It's not a shot at Carson Beck. I think we all agree he's a good quarterback. I just think. One is egregious, man. That's like me telling you Quinn Ewers deserves to be QB one. I can't. I just can't get there with one. I think one is Nico or Arnold, in my opinion. I think that's the order. One and two, yeah. they, they should be selected. I, I, I agree. Based on what we've seen from the freshman year, I just can't get there with Beck because he he's a pocket passer. Period. Yes, like yeah. he offers no upside outside of that. He's not going to be rushing, and he's in an offense that really features his skill set extremely well. So. Yeah, I can't. I mean, he's in my top eight. It's not like I, I'm yeah. low on him. I'm just. I think I, I have him five or six. So it's not like I would move him. Like him, but I would move him ahead of Dante Moore now. So like, consider him my seventh. Obviously, I still like him. Uh, Shadur Sanders, my next ranked player. Just, I'm not sure how I totally feel about him, but I think he deserves to be up here. He was pretty darn good last year. Yeah. Then I got Lenore Sellers to close this out, which I think you're higher on Lenore Sellers than I am. And I'm a South uh, Carolina grad. Let's see here. I had him. Where did I have Lenore Sellers? I had Sellers at nine. So, yeah, one spot higher than if you had him at 10. One spot higher. I mean, the athleticism is just. Yeah. And and what we've seen in small stints, spring game plus the uh, games that he's come in for Rattler this year, I think that he that was some seriously special stuff. I think. Yeah, I mean, he. Up. He has the tools to, I think, if he doesn't end up going to the NFL, still has the tools to be like an extremely fun just college asset. And probably if he's not going to the NFL, that means you're getting three years out of him at South Carolina. So I, I'm all in him. He's got a good arm, extremely athletic. I mean, obviously, you know, you've got the battle of Anthony Richardson's there in uh, South Carolina now with Robbie Ashford, I believe, committing there. So we'll see which Anthony Richardson wins. Is it Anthony Richardson A or Anthony Richardson B? And Robbie Ashford and Lenora Sellers. Yeah, um, a, a quick recap of mine, if you did not see them on Twitter. I had Nico at one. I still have Connor Wigman just above Arnold uh, because I do like his NFL potential, and I do like him getting Klein. I am a little bit worried about them maybe running him too much and him getting more injured. He's He dealt with, obviously, injuries last year. I think it was in, like, game four last season is when he got injured. Uh, but I have Arnold at three. I have Jackson Dart at four. I, I think he continues to get overlooked. Had a really good season last year. I think has a chance to take that step forward. Again, I don't know that he's, like, a first-round draft pick, uh, but I think if he plays really good again this year, could be a round two guy. Carson Beck at five. Quinn Ewers at six. Dylan Rayola at seven. DJ Lagway at eight, Lenora Sellers at nine, and Noah Fafita at 10. And I know uh, Austin brought this up when me and Felix did our uh, C2C live show when uh, I had talked about having Lagway in my top 10, and he said he couldn't bet on a guy being that high, even with the tools, because Billy Napier might get fired. I don't really – I think Lagway's good enough that even – I expect Billy Napier will be fired. I think even if Lagway jumps in the portal and goes to a new team, he's probably starting somewhere, and I think he's just got the arm and the – the athleticism to be good. that feels like a plus 
Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, saying. I agree. Like, I think him, Billy Napier being fired might actually be a good thing for him, whether he stays at Florida or not. I would think if he stayed that committed to Florida, he's got to know the rumors that Billy Napier may be fired. He may just stick it out there. I mean, I, I don't know. We'll see. I just, I'm betting on the talent because I also kind of agree with what Chris said earlier. Like, this is not the quarterback landscape we were looking at when we first started this company of like Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and those guys sitting in there. You're like, oh, yeah, these are easy. Caleb Williams, who even though we were not that high on him coming in as a freshman, he was quickly QB1 after what we saw from him in oh, Oklahoma yeah. in that freshman season. Like, I don't feel like we have any of those guys currently. So I'm willing to take a stab on, you know, especially Rayola. We're going to see him early and often this year. And I, I believe in the tools. I actually believe in Matt Rule in that offense. He, you know, I know some people have their doubts about Satterfield, but typically Matt Rule finds a way to get those offenses rolling. I mean, if you look at this, I know you're not the biggest Satterfield fan because of what he did for you in South Carolina. He's terrible. But if you look at the advanced <laughs> metrics of what that offense was last year with like explosiveness and success rate, with Jeff Sims and who was uh who Purdy what right Henrik um, Henrik Harburg and who was who was the other one who came in for the, was it in the bowl game was it Chuba Purdy right before he transferred back out I think it was Chuba I don't Purdy. remember who was in the bowl game none of those guys inspire confidence to me the way Dylan Rayola does and they were they were over the line not by much but they're over the line in explosiveness and a decent amount in pass success rate as well which I was kind of surprised with when you talk about Jeff Sims Chuba Purdy. You get a guy like like Dylan Rayola in there. They've got a decent amount of weapons on that uh, in that wide receiver core. I think they will. The, the, he'll be all right. Yeah, Chief Wahoo. I, you know, you're gonna can't, be careful. You're gonna get canceled. No, it, look, I understand they're the Cleveland Guardians now. <laughs> I love I love Cleveland. Just Chief Wahoo, Cleveland Indians. Like I don't mean any disrespect to anybody. Uh, what is your top 10 or who is in your top 10 at running back? I'll go quicker on this one. I'll just list them off. Uh, Quinshaw Judkins is one. Just think he's the best running back college football kind of like period. Uh, Travion Henderson is two. I, I, I'm a little worried about him, but I just, I like the way he played at the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, Nick Singleton, Justice Haynes, uh, Alabama, Raheem Sanders, South Carolina. I think he's going to bounce back. I really do. I just love what we saw from him in the first two seasons. Yeah. Uh, I have CJ Baxter next. We talked about this actually in the Slack earlier today. His freshman season wasn't very good, but I saw some flashes that I, I liked. Um, Katron Allen, I think he's Ooh, kind of just Katron Allen over Nicholas Singleton. No, no, no. Singleton was what three? Was he? Oh, I didn't hear you say Singleton. Sorry. Oh, yeah, he's he's oh, okay. he's third okay. still. Uh, I just think he's like kind of steady. Yeah. Uh, then I have Trevor Etienne, who is now at Georgia, and I have Devin Neal, and then I'm still a believer in Caleb Jackson at LSU. Okay. Just think he's a good player. Um, couple guys that I think I would move up. And I mean, rankings, are, I, I, I did these last week and I'm already looking at it and I'm like, I feel right. like I can change these, right? I, I think I would put Ash and Gene T in my top 10. He's he's um, 12 for me. He's right there. He's on the he's on the cusp of top 10. For me I know it's well. I know it's tough to get a G5 running back in the top 10, but I think yeah. he's like the exception to the rule. I mean, he has such a weird profile. Like he lived in Italy and then he came over to the States <laughs> and he didn't play football that long in Texas, but he was really prolific when he did, and he had uh, like crazy receiving numbers. 
I think if he wanted to, he could get a power five job like pretty easily. I think USC was after him uh, last year, but I think he deserves to be in the top 10, to be honest. Like, I think he's higher upside than a guy like Catron Allen, who I just think is yeah. a NFL running back, but not a guy who's going to like be fantasy relevant for long stretches, at least. So point am asked Jonah Coleman. It's kind of hard to rank Coleman at the moment because I'm almost yeah. positive he's in the transfer portal now, right? He's a little bit of a smaller back. I, I don't know where he's going to land. If he would have stayed at Arizona, he'd probably be top 24 for me at least. Uh, I, he had a good season last year. I've been a fan of his for the past couple seasons. But not knowing his real landing spot at the moment or if he's going to come back to Arizona, I don't know exactly where I'd rank him. I have, I currently have top him. 12. I can tell you that even if he was at Arizona for me, he wouldn't be top 12. I think I have him RB 36 or 26. Okay. Sorry. Um, he's like the meatball build. Yeah. Like he, he's short, but he's, he stinks probably 225, 230. But I don't know how good he actually is. I think that offense really did him a lot of favors and just like it did Michael Wiley, a lot of favors. Yeah. Uh, so my, where'd my list go? My top 10 real quick, fairly close to yours. Quinshawn at one. I have CJ Baxter at two. I think he was better than he gets credit for I me. Mean, he was also <laughs> beat up. There was a point in time where they, if I'm remembering this, I thought we were going to lose him for the season with a knee injury when he got taken out earlier in the year. Yeah, he was a little bit more beat up than I think he was given credit for. I understand he didn't come out there and look like Jonathan Brooks, but let's be Jonathan Brooks didn't look like Jonathan Brooks until this year. Like I, not every freshman running back comes in and just absolutely dominates. I want to see what he looks like. I think it speaks volumes of what the coaching staff thinks of him and his ability as a player. And the fact they still put him out there more than Jadon blue like that. I mean, Jadon blue has been there for two years. And, and in my opinion, Jadon blue looked extremely explosive and, ex and really good at times, even in that playoff game. And yet they still kept giving the ball to Baxter. Where where do you have Jaden Blue ranked? I know this is a tangent, but I have him. No, no, you're good. I have him at 16, I believe. So, because I, I, I think that they so much lower on him. Do but you? I think I need I think I need to adjust my priors because I just kind of wrote him off after this year. But we right. saw him at last couple games of the season. I thought he looked pretty good. Looked good, yeah. So he was much lower for me before that. But after watching those couple games, I went back and watched that Texas Washington game again. He just brings such a different dynamic than Baxter does, and I think he's a little bit of a better receiver than Baxter, to be honest. And with that explosiveness, we've seen at least this past year, Sart has not been afraid to kind of divvy it up. Like, he'll never go 50-50, but even like a – if he goes like a 60-40 split and the SEC in blue explodes and looks good, especially with Texas' schedule, they have a very easy schedule. I think that I, I, I'm kind of in on a – 16 is, well, look, I don't like any of these rankings right now, Austin. In fairness, I don't have any freshmen in my rankings either. Not that I think any freshmen are going to jump up that high. I think you make a case for Quentin Martin being borderline top 10. Depending on how you feel about him. That's, I'm trying to remember if that's who Felix also talked about in his top 10. He put a, he threw out a name that definitely did, didn't deserve to be in the top 10. I just placated uh -oh. and said, yeah, sure, go ahead, put him in the top 10. And now I can't for the life of me remember who it is. But it was not, it was not Quentin Martin. But why do you believe you... Real quick, let me give my give, give me the rest of my list and then tell me about more about Quentin Martin. I have Henderson at three. Um, I mean, he's going to be splitting with Judkins, still a very good running back. Justice Haynes at four. Nicholas Singleton at five. I have Devin Neal at six. Might be a little too high for Neal because I think the only reason he came back is he didn't get a good NFL draft grade, but he's going to likely blow up again for CFF this year. I have Raheem Sanders at seven. I actually think I agree with you that he could have a really good year, and I think adding a Lenora Sellers in that RPO game as well, if they tend to use it, will help Sanders even more. 
I'm still a believer in Ruben Owens. And with Klein coming in there, what he was able to do with those running backs, I have him up here at eight. I think he's going to be really good for them. I have Amari and Hampton at nine. I think that might be a little too high, but he's the back at North Carolina right now. Then I have Ollie Gordon at 10. Concerned about Ollie Gordon's NFL future, but I can't see any reason why he probably is not RB1 again next year for CFF outside of injury. And he probably gets drafted early day three. So, yeah, I, I agree with the last two as a CFF angle. I just don't know if they're athletic enough to really make a big impact at the next level. I think both have some questionable uh, athleticism. Where do you, where do you have Darius Taylor? I have him I'm, 23rd. I'm looking right now. I just saw that, that, uh, I don't have my, I only had like my top 10 listed, so I don't have my actual ranks up. So let me pull that up. But tell us about Quentin Martin, and then I will find out where I have Darius Taylor ranked. I think he's a top running back in the class, and he's going to Penn State. Like that, that that's essentially the argument, right? Like this is in coaching staff who has been awesome at developing running backs. Yes. This is a strength and conditioning staff, even though they've turned over um, like their lead athletic trainer that has still produced the high end athletes and. I don't think this is a very good running back class, but I think that's still the guy that we want to target out of this class. It's just, it's so weak that I'm, I mean, I kind of like Quan Lacey too, but I don't think he can really approach the top 10. Um, I think Martin's the only one I would, that's only because he's, he's going to Penn state anywhere else. I think I would have him like 20 plus. I actually think Lacey can. I don't like either one of, and their names have escaped me, and I got killed for this on the Missouri video that I did because I couldn't remember the name of the Marcus trans- Carroll. I don't think Marcus Carroll's that good. We've seen these G5 guys transfer. I'm not sure Marcus Carroll's that, that good, good either, by the way. I, I agree with you on that one. Missouri has a chance to make the, the playoff this year with the way that team is built. Like I think Lacey could take so over. I like Martin. I think right now he's actually my running back too. I've really kind of fallen in love with Nate Frazier, the, the running back going to Georgia. Now I know he's probably not going to see the field for a couple years, but then again, we said the same thing about Branson Robinson and Roderick Robinson and both of them without injury. We're seeing time. So I, I don't know what happens with him. Quentin Martin's still my two. I do like that because he likely takes over as the guy next year. I don't see any way Singleton or, um, Allen come back because I think Allen's actually going to get pretty good draft capital as well next year. So I think both go to the NFL. I have Darius Taylor at 17. So not, not too low. I don't think. So you're a little higher than I am. Uh, Damian Martinez. I think I have him at 11 or 12. I don't have Jaden not very high. I, I guess I'm like low on Jaden not compared to, to others. I have, I have him 21, but I mean, I'm not like okay, that confident so. in that projection. I have Damian Martinez at 15. I have Jaden Ott at 23. So they I just, they added um, Kadarius Callaway from Old Dominion, who I think legitimately might be better running back than Jaden Ott. I'm not sure he's more complete. He sucks at uh, uh, blitz pickup and, and pass protection. So he's not going to see the field as much, but I mean, he's a pretty explosive runner. I'm not totally convinced that Jay- like they Cal added a bunch of dudes last year who weren't very good. I actually think Kadarius Callaway is good and could cut into Ott's playing time a little bit. Yeah. I talked a little bit about this with someone on Twitter when they saw Ott wasn't even in my top 10. Like I get volume as King and fantasy, but like, I think he's good because of volume. I don't think he's like an overall, just like extremely talented running back person. He hasn't, he hasn't performed against like, high yeah, Oh players. yeah. He's been horrible his whole career. Like, if it's if it's a team, when I was looking at this, when it was brought up to me, because some I can't remember who I was talking with on Twitter about the saying, like he was really good. If he plays a defense in like the top, like almost fifty, 
he's putting up like 40 yards rushing. Yeah. Like all of his big games come against some horrible run defenses. Now get it, he catches the ball as well, but like I think it's all volume. Um so point M asks, how is the Georgia backfield even going to shake out? That's a good question. Uh so I would assume Branson Robinson, Roderick Robinson, at least we hope, will be back fully healthy next year. They still have Andrew Paul as well. I believe Dejon Edwards and, from if I'm remembering what Colin said recently, Kendall Milton both are going to the NFL draft? I think so. So, I mean, that leaves those two, which likely then brings Frazier in as the three. I think it's going to come down to they'll, – they'll split. Oh, and they brought in Trevor Etienne. That's who I was missing. I was trying to remember who, who – Yes. So Trevor Etienne will probably, I would think, be the starter because he's coming in healthy for the most part. Roderick Robinson, I can't remember what Branson's was, but I'm almost positive Branson's was kind of a serious, serious injury. I know he was supposedly was back toward the end of the year, but they got so many backs there, man. I have no yeah. idea how to, how to project I, that backfield. To be I honest, would I think, think Etienne's going to be getting yeah. what 35 to 40 percent of carries. Probably, I would think if you're betting on one, Etienne's going to get the majority of them, and then if I'm betting on another, probably at this point, it's probably Roger Robinson because I can't for the life of me remember what Branson's was, but I'm almost positive it was like a, a pretty decent knee injury that kind of scared me. I want to say it was multiple ligaments were either injured. I think someone said they weren't actually torn. I don't trust any college medical staff currently, to be honest with you guys. So I, I don't know. We'll see what he looks like, uh, but I would bet on Roger Robinson. Go ahead. Turf toe in spring and then a ruptured patellar tendon. There we go. That's what it so, was. Yeah. yeah, that'll keep you out. Yeah. So I'll, I'll lean on Roger Robinson. I mean, Andrew Paul at this point, like I know we liked him. I, I don't like, I'd be surprised if we see him touch the field. I like I said, I'd like Nate Frazier a lot. I don't expect him to come in and actually play this year at all. I, I would imagine yeah. he's going to be a lot like those Georgia backs of old where they sit for that first year and then they kind of come out and do something in that second season. So Trevor Etienne would be the guy. And he, I've kind of battled back and forth on where to put him because I do think, you know, I, I talked about it recently. Georgia has moved, or at least last year was like a 50-50 split for the most part run pass i think they'll be that again this year which i think then etm probably gets like you said 35 he might even get 40 45 percent of the carries and at that case i think he's likely he's got skills to project toward the nfl so i think you probably have to rank him high i think right now i have him i have him low and i need to move him up it's one of the guys that i need to adjust i have him right now at 19 so and i, I know he needs to move up i don't know how high i'll move him up he'll probably make it into my top 10 yeah, yeah, it's where he is for me. And I'm I we were pretty low on him because he kind of like it seems weird to say, but he was out of shape in high school. Yes, like, he, he was, was. kind of like a weird athletic build, but I think he's improved on that a lot. So I think our priors maybe are holding him back from where he is. I mean, I have him borderline top 10 too, but he's in the top 10. I just wonder if he should be higher for me, but. I yeah, know. I mean, to, to, to point out, it wasn't even just in high school. He came into college that way. I remember doing the spring reports that first like year. A role. And I remember one of the very first reports I did on Georgia, <laughs> there was a coach talking about he was so bad at the drills and so out of shape that he told him to just go. Like, stop doing the drill and just go. And it was like a footwork drill. And I was like, oh, man, because I remember giving Colin a shout out because Colin is his original truther. He was like, this guy's going to be good. None of us else on the freshman team liked him except for Colin. And I was like, man, Colin, this is not looking good. And then sure enough, he came out as a freshman and then played pretty well. Play, outplayed Mon Montreal Johnson and everything. Yeah. All right. Give us your top 10 wide receivers. All right. Uh, I'll be quicker on this one. Evan Stewart, 
number one, I think he's more projectable to the NFL than number two, Luther Burden. Like both players a lot. I think Luther Burden benefited more from the Eli Drinkwood scheme, which features the slot wide receiver heavily. His slot rate went from like 13% to 82%. So you're looking at a player who like was featured very differently year two. And I, I still think he's a little bit limited. Uh, Ted McMillan is three. Still have a little bit of questions about his athletic upside, to be honest, but like the production kind of speaks for itself. And he's um, like a monster downfield. Uh, I think him at the catch point is one of the best receivers in the country. I have a Mecca Buka four. Okay. So we're I, four for four so far. That's my top four as well. Okay. So I'm a little concerned because he came back to school, but I think just this was kind of a lost year for him. And yeah. I wonder if it's going to be the Chris, Chris Olave factor, which Olave is still a really good wide receiver. So I'm not going to knock him for that. Um, I have Zachariah Branch five. This was okay. this is kind of where the list gets tough for me. Yeah, uh, he is possibly the best returner in the country and he needs to be schemed up on touches. So I don't know that he's a natural separator and like true wide receiver quite yet, but I think he can get there. Uh, Colonel Tate is six. I just okay. think he's a heck of a wide receiver and I'm really excited to see him. This is before uh, the influx of talent to Texas, but I had John to cook seven. I'd okay. probably move him down at this point. Uh Isaiah Bond, eight, I will probably keep him there because I think that he is a pretty good wide receiver going to an offense that is better than Alabama's. Uh, A Travis Hunter, nine, and that is basically solely on the fact that I think that he's a pretty dang good wide receiver. Yeah, Don't know if he's going to stick there long term. And then I have Micah Hudson and Jeremiah Smith like rounding it out. I think both deserve to be top 10 selection, so I'm going to just include both. I think there's a good argument that they should go above Cook. I think there's a good argument they should go above Hunter, probably Bond as well. Mm-hmm. Just depends on your, um, you know, your fascination with those specific players. Yeah. So our top top four are the same, and then five, six, and seven are the same players, different order. I put uh, Carnell Tate at uh, five because I do think he's going to take over that X role for Ohio State. Will be probably. Yeah the second highest targeted player outside of Omeka's. I do think Mecca will be the highest. Then I have at five, uh, I'm sorry, at six, John Tate Cook. This was, again, also before the Isaiah Bond uh, coming over here because now I actually think Cook probably is a third there, even though I think he's the best wide receiver out of those three in Bond, Golden, and, and him. But I think because of where he'll be playing, I think Golden and Bond are likely the two more targeted players. I have Branch at seven, and I think a lot of this, I just don't believe in Miller Moss, to be honest with you. Like, I agree with you, best returner in the country. I mean, him and Barry and Brown, I think you got can argue, are the one of them is the best returner in the country, but likely going to be. Branch won the, what, 13th Jet Award? Which I is, think so, yeah. Which is, like, the best, I think, that's just because period. People, that's just because people pay more attention to USC than they do Kentucky, but yes, you that's, are correct. That's true. And then we saw Barry and Brown absolutely yeah. dominate in the bowl game. But sorry, uh, no, no, you're good. So uh, that's really my biggest concern. I think he'll be the one for that offense, but like that offensive line, in my opinion, hasn't really improved any. And he, they don't have a very mobile quarterback like they had Caleb Williams back there in Miller Moss. So I'm curious to see what that USC D- offense looks like against Big Ten defenses and a very hard schedule. They have multiple back to back weeks where like they travel across country and then come back home and play somebody and then go back cross country again. I get it. 
they're flying on like private jets and all this other stuff. That's great. Still a lot of travel on these kids who are like 19 to 20 plus years old. Like it's still not easy to do. So I'll, I'll be very curious to see how much that affects them. At eight, I have Jeremiah Smith. Nine, I have Micah Hudson. And then at 10, I have Isaiah Bond. I think Jeremiah Smith has a chance to be really good for Ohio State this year. I like the wide receiver core overall, but I don't think it's unfair to say they don't have the Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Marvin Harrison Jr. anymore. I like a Mecca Egg I would not put him in those players, at least in what they were at Ohio State. I don't think Carnell Tate's there either. I, I mean, Carnell Tate, I think, is going to be a good wide receiver. I think he has a chance to be on, like, that Mecca range. I'm not putting him up there with, like, Garrett Wilson and Marvin Harrison Jr., Garrett Wilson, this might even be too much to say. He's like a tier one, like a tier zero player. We had Marvin Harrison Jr. there. Garrett Wilson may not even be a tier zero guy. I think he's close. Yeah. But I, I don't know that I'd put him in there. I don't know that I put Mecca and Carnell Tate there. I also think, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I think that's fair, right? I mean, I don't think there is a lot of separation between wide receiver one and maybe wide receiver four in that Ohio State room this year. Yeah. Not like there's been in years past, at least. Yeah, that, I mean, it, for me, at least, I, I like. I think Mecca will be the one. Oh man, yeah, this is not working. There we go. I think Mecca will be the one, at least the one getting most of the the targets and everything. But I don't. I think we could see something I've talked about for years, and they ended up just not doing it due to how good uh, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and all those guys were, and like not doing those hockey line shifts that that they used to do. Jeremiah Smith brings something to that room that nobody else does, which is size. I don't think maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember Carnell Tate being that big. Like Jeremiah Smith, six three two, almost two twenty, two fifteen. I think. I don't remember. I'll have to look up how big Carnell Tate is, but I don't think Carnell Tate is that big. Carnell Tate's like six one, six two, but okay. I like size wise, I don't think he's that big. So when, for me. Jeremiah Smith brings just a completely different version of wide receiver to Ohio State that they currently don't have. I could see them throwing him out there a lot when he is listed at six. Where'd it go? 6'2, 191. I don't think he's 6'2, but 6'2, 191 is what Carnell Tate's listed at on Ohio State's website. Jeremiah Smith, I think, is all of 6'13. Maybe he's not all of 215. He's pretty he's, darn close. He's a big boy. He's got the speed to get downfield. I just think he I think he's excellent at high pointing the ball, winning, finding that separation at the at the catch point. Like I think he will come in and uh Volume Pigs wrote an article for us talking about how no Ohio State wide receiver has ever broken 500 receiving yards as a freshman. I think Jeremiah Smith does it this year. I, I think that he just brings such a different dynamic to that offense. They love him. You saw how excited Ryan Day was on National Signing Day when they finally figured out that they had locked him up for sure and he wasn't going to Miami. I think they've got a plan for him. They'll use him. He's gonna I thought he looked year. awesome in the featured game too. Was yes. he was he was that the Under, under Armour game? Oh uh, yeah, the All American game. Yeah, I, I think it's now just okay, the All American yeah. Bowl. I used to be Under Armour All American. I think now it's just the All American. Yeah, he looked he looked great in that. Uh, and then Micah Micah Hudson. I mean, like there's nobody in his way at Texas Tech. So I think he just goes out there and absolutely falls no, out. He should be on the field almost immediately. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I think Bond, you know, both of us have him very high. Going to that Steve Sarkeesian office, I talked about this a little bit on the C2C live show with Felix. Like, I just think he projects to be the slot wide receiver. And if you look at what Jordan Whittington actually did for them, like, I don't – and, and – <laughs> 
I know, look, Whittington's not a good wide receiver, but you also have to take away JT Sanders. I don't think anybody else in that, that Texas tight end room can do what Sanders does. And if you look at where Quinn Ewers, like Felix talked about this as a negative, I think this is a positive for Isaiah Bond. A lot of Quinn Ewers' throws were to the middle of the field, where I think Bond will yeah. now be operating. I don't think they're going to use him like Xavier Worthy. He wasn't used that way in Alabama. I think they're going to use more Matthew Golden and Jonte Cook on the outside. I think Bond's coming in to play the slot. I could be wrong there. He spent almost all of his snaps at Alabama in the slot. Now, again, different offense, different team. I get that. But going based on what I've seen of his history and most of his time being spent in the slot, if he comes to Texas and plays the slot with the loss of JT Sanders, I think Bond has a chance to really kind of dominate. Similar similar speed to Worthy, but, yeah, I mean, he might just not be used in the the same role and – that might not be what they ask of him. He, he's a really interesting player. I think he is outside of the top three. Um, Stewart, Burton, McMillan, whatever order you want to put yeah. them in. I think that's like a clear top three. I, yeah, I think I Bond might be like one of the safer picks. Like I think Colonel Tate, John Tate Cook, Zachariah Branch all have a wide range of outcomes. I think Isaiah Bond yeah. is going to be like a, a day top 60 pick. Yeah, I, mean, I think so. Round one or two. Like I feel like like he's going there. Period. Um, I think the campus life had all it was Austin, I think, who said that he's a top seventy pick. Yeah, very much yeah. agree. I just think he's safe. Yeah, and I think him going there, like Sark will find a way to use him the right way. I mean, look at look at the way NFL people are hyping up Jordan Whittington. I mean, granted, I don't know that Bond's the run blocker that Whittington is, but like I think him going to yeah. that offense again. Texas returning most of that offensive line, whether it's Quinn or Arch throwing him the ball, I think they're going to get it to him. Texas actually has a very easy schedule this year. So, like, I think Texas's offense has a chance like to Texas really kind of dominate. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they have a chance to be really good. Um, so, what, how, what are we high on Eugene Wilson? So, I have him as wide receiver 29 right now with a chance to move up some. I still have – I haven't removed all – like, I still have uh, Jalen McMillan, uh, Polk and Romo Dunze in my wide receiver rankings. I haven't removed them. So if you move them up three spots, that's 26. It's almost top 24. I just have concerns about Florida's offense, to be honest with you. I, I still don't know. I mean, Graham Mertz was actually kind of good for them. That's who I assume is going to be taking yeah. over as quarterback again next year. Uh, but if I'm remembering correctly, Florida has a pretty brutal schedule again this year. So I just, I like Eugene Wilson, the player. I don't know what he's going to be like for fantasy. I think he's probably got an NFL future. So right now, 26-ish. So right around my top 24. I have a wide receiver 19. So I'm a little okay. higher than you, but I feel extremely similar about like the projection. I Graham Mertz is pretty good this year, to, like yeah, in all was, honesty. So, I mean, he was good enough, right? Like he delivered what was asked of him. Yeah. So... I think you can bank on Wilson getting some schemed up touches as well. Here's a question. How do you compare him to Kevin Concepcion at NC state? So the main difference for me and why where, let me see where I actually have Concepcion. I know I have him higher, but I will also fully admit, Oh, that's where I messed up. Travis Hunter would be number 10. I'm sorry. I meant to say that earlier. I actually have him at 11. I'd probably bump him up to 10. I do love Travis Hunter as well. Um, So I have Concepcion at wide receiver 19 right now. So a little bit higher than Eugene Wilson. I think my, so I'll be honest. I haven't really sat down and watched Concepcion. This is going 100% off his number one hype man, Felix Sharp. And then 
fully <laughs> box score scouting him and just seeing what he's done box score wise. I've not really sat down and watched any NC State. Yeah, at Felix, all Felix loves him, but he does. Number one hype man might actually go to Nate Marquise. Nate Marquise okay. loves literally That's fair. loves him. I, I he's a good player. I I don't the I, he's hard to project though. Yeah, the reason I have him higher than Eugene is because I think he's going to be the easy number one for NC State. And with what he did as a because he's a true freshman, if I'm remembering correctly, right? He's yeah, he a was a true freshman last year and did that. I mean, I they would expect no Rogers, continues. but I mean, do you think Noah Rogers can outproduce him? Because I don't think so. No, 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 no. I think he's the number one. So that's the only reason I have him higher right now. I, I will look more. I will. I know Eugene Wilson so well because of the freshman guy. I really wait. We didn't put Concepcion in our freshman guy. So I, I have not really paid that close attention to him. I know, like I said, Felix has hyped him up a lot. Apparently Nate has as well. Um, it's something I need to add to my list to do this off season. I have all those games saved on my YouTube TV account. I just haven't found the, you know, NC state. I'll be honest, is not high on my list of teams to like go back and watch right now. So you're not, you're not missing a whole lot. If that makes you feel figured, any better. But they did bring in Grayson McCall. So, you know, I've heard he's better than Jackson Dart. I have all those tweets bookmarked, by the way. Whoever that was, again, I can't remember. Just sitting in a folder waiting, waiting for the day that Jackson Dart gets drafted ahead of Grayson McCall. Because he's, you know, the best At minimum, he is better than Brennan Armstrong. So, that is true. That is very true. All right, so we were going to do top 10 transfer moves. I don't know if you did that list. I didn't. I forgot that I told you we were going to do that. So, if you want to give your top 10 we will just roll as that as a consensus top 10. I did do top 10 <laughs> assistant coaches and elite schools. And I obviously have my, my CFP 12 for 24. Let let's just, let's skip that one. I did it, okay. but we can, we can do it another time. That's, that works. Assistant coaches. I'm very curious. Cause I will say you are much more plugged into assistant coaches than I am. So I'm curious to see how many of the same names we have on our list. So I want to go one for one. So give me your number okay. one. Uh, I wouldn't call this like a definitive ranking, but I gave, I put 13 players on this or 13 coaches on this list who I think okay. are worthy of it. Ryan Grubb, number one. He's on my list as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll play this to Austin Collin start sit game. So if it's on the list, we'll okay. keep going. So I agree with you. Obviously goes to Alabama, follows Kalen DeBoer, incredible offensive mind, really surprised. Like I get it with Jed fish. I'm surprised he didn't get the shot to be Washington's head coach. I think he's going to be a great head coach whenever he gets that opportunity. Uh, Glenn Schumann. Glenn defense Schumann. coordinator at I do, defense Georgia. coordinator Georgia. Okay, so I have him on my list as well. Alex Atkins, who is the offensive coordinator at my, Florida State. Okay, so I have him on mine as well. Continue. We got it. We're gonna we're Joe, gonna break here. I, go ahead. Joe Rossi, who I is do not the have Joe Rossi. Okay, defense coordinator at Michigan State, but he was at. Minnesota on, with PJ Fleck forever. Uh, I think so, he's really, really good defensive mind. I will give a, another Michigan defensive coordinator, Jesse Minter. You obviously Michigan State. I'll go Michigan. Yeah. Now there's a chance that he goes back to the NFL. Came the Harbaugh brothers trading coaches all the time. I feel like is is a little bit of insider trading, but it is what it is. Jesse Minter, I thought did a phenomenal job with that Michigan defense this year with how they schemed against everybody they played. If he stays in college football, I think he deserves a head coaching job. I, I have him, and he's young, too, so I think he's yeah. going to be a hot candidate. I know I, ha- I have two on here I guarantee you don't have, so give me your next one. If you have these uh, two, I will be, I'll be shocked, but that won't be at the same time. Uh, Danton Lynn, who no, is the USC defense coordinator. He's coming over from UCLA, the son of Anthony Lynn. I think he's a 
pretty darn good head coach or head coach candidate. I will give another defensive coordinator that I have, Adam Fuller from Florida State. I think both their coordinators are oh, very cool. good defensive coordinators. I think he has a chance to um, go on and do great things, really good defense. What what he's been able to do for that Florida State defense, I think, has been good. Turn in Jared Verse, who I believe came up from – was it? He came up from the FCS, didn't he? And turned him into yeah, probably a, a number one draft – well, he won't go number one overall, but he'll be a first-round draft pick. Like, I love, I love what he's been able to do for Florida State. You want me to go again? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, LeVar Woods. I don't the, have him on mine either. <laughs> Iowa special teams coordinator. Um, okay, I actually that's think he's call. the... Probably the best coach on that entire staff. <laughs> yeah, I actually think he's the head coach in waiting. Like, un- unofficially, of course. But I, I think he could be the next coach at Iowa. He's He's a really, really good coach. So this one might be a little bit of just us restoking some old flames here because the offense, in my opinion, has kind of been bad, at least last year. But I still want to see him get a shot more off, more so with a G, Zach Kitley, yes. More so with the, with the G5 <laughs> school or, you know, maybe with like a lower P5 school. But I still like Zach Kitley. I'd like to see what he can do. So he's on my list. I, I don't dislike that at all. Um uh, who do I want to go here? I have I have a big list. Um, is Sharon Moore too obvious? Because I think he's going to be the next head coach. He's Michigan. not. I thought about putting him on here, but I feel like he's the next guy up, so I kind of left him off. I wanted to go with a couple okay, other guys I thought deserved it. Let, uh, let me give a different name. Uh, Andy Koltanecki, who Don't is the offensive coordinator offense. at Penn State, coming over from Kansas. Yeah. I think he's a really smart offensive mind. I think that he could be leading a program next year. All right, I'll go to Kansas State, just transferred over, not transferred, moved to Texas A&M. Colin Klein taking over as the Texas A&M Aggies offensive coordinator. If he does really well with Connor Wigman and that offense, I think that he will get a chance to be a head coach somewhere. I think he's a brilliant offensive mind. That's why I'm really big on Ruben Owens this year. So he is, by the way, I've only got two names left, and I bet you don't have either one of them on your list. How many names do you have left? I mean, I went to 13, so I have a couple. Okay. But, I'll give one of mine first, and then I'll let you give your. Yeah, you go, I, yeah, I want to see if you have if you have either one of these guys. I wouldn't be surprised if you do, but I tried to dive deep. Dellen McCullough. Do you even know who that is? Running back coach. Yes, uh, he is for State? Notre Dame. No, Notre Dame. Oh, no, Notre Dame. Sorry, I was thinking of with guys. what he's been able to do and bringing in guys like we can consistently, I feel like, kind of crap on that running back room, and what they continue, what he is able to continue to do and develop those guys and turn them into CFF studs, get them into the NFL. I mean, look at what he did with Audrey Estime last year. I think Jeremiah loved taking that step forward. I really like what he's been able to do at Notre Dame. He's been there through multiple regimes as well. I think he should and get a opportunity to be a head coach somewhere in the in college football. Yeah, he did not make my list, but he was like probably top three eliminated. He's a good coach. I'll, I'll give you another position coach. Jamarcus Shepard, uh, the wide, wide receiver coach heading from Washington to Alabama. I think that he is, I mean, you saw what he did for the Washington wide receivers. I mean, yeah. dude can obviously coach. I have a wide receiver coach, passing game coordinator, who is also in the NFL. Would you know who this is? This is my last name on the list. Plays for a, or not plays for, coaches for a head coach that we really like and what he's been able to do for quarterbacks and offense, especially last, the 2022 season. Last year wasn't was so great. It's, it's not Joe Brady. 
It's not Joe Brady. No, unfortunately. Thought about him. Did not put him <laughs> off my list. Uh, Rashard Samples, passing game coordinator for Arizona okay. State. Was it uh, – Interesting. Last before coming over here, he left the NFL actually to come coach with Kenny Dillingham last year. Arizona State was the Rams running back coach. So we saw what he was able to do with like that, those running backs. Uh, they had the multiple injuries for years, Darrell Henderson, all those guys, and still made them all productive. Comes in passing game coordinator, who I thought was actually pretty good, especially with the like 80 injuries they had a quarterback last yeah. year. I think with his with his offensive mind has a chance to be a head coach somewhere in college football if he decides to go that route. He obviously has again. He was an NFL coach somewhere else too before the Rams. I can't remember where. Uh, not an NFL head coach, but a, a a position coach in the NFL. So he could go back to the NFL. But I, I really like what he's done with Arizona State. Uh, uh, I'll give you the two that I didn't name. Uh, ben Arbuckle, okay, Washington State head uh, office coordinator. I think that he was like kind of what they were missing this year at Western Kentucky and uh, Mike Denbrock, who I hated when LSU hired him and he proved me extremely wrong. So I, I I think Mike Denbrock might be a pretty good, uh, pretty good name. I mean, there's a bunch of dudes who are, are extremely talented and are going to get a job soon, but it, it was hard to keep this list to 10. And I, even then I went over, so. Yeah, it might, Mike Denbrock is an interesting one, especially what he was able to do with Jaden Daniels. I mean, people can say what you want about Desmond Ritter in the NFL. He was a really good college quarterback. Like, he, he's he got a pretty decent track record. It's why I'm, even though I'm not the biggest Riley Leonard fan, like, I think Riley Leonard has a chance to actually be kind of good, at least for CFF this year. Like, he's just had a good track record with those quarterbacks who are really good rushers and struggle passing. And Jaden Daniels, like, get granted, I think he is much different than Desmond Ritter and Riley Leonard. Leonard, I don't want to pair the three of them together. Jaden Daniels deserves his roses for what he did. Uh, but I think a lot of yeah. that comes down to, to Mike Denbrock as well. I agree. Uh, did you do a top 10 elite schools? And I, I, I solely, you did? Perfect. Yeah, I did. I want to see if one school is on here because we're going to throw some shade at someone who works at this company if, if the school is on here. So I did my based on recruiting. Um Six, where I think they could succeed in NIL. That's kind of how I based my my biggest three. I basically said, if I am a free agent coach and every job is open, which job am I going to take? Okay. Which I think is fair. pretty similar to your... Similar to the same thing, because like my top... Yeah. I'd say five are probably what I would say like the elite blue bloods of college football right now. Obviously, I bet we have the same top bloods. five. I bet you we do. Go, yeah. Georgia. Go, we go. Georgia, Texas, Ohio State, Alabama, Michigan. Yep. Different yeah. order. Of course, I put Michigan five because I had to. Alabama at four, Texas three. I put Ohio State at two. So I put Georgia, Ohio State, Texas, Alabama, Michigan. All right, so who is next? Because the school I have next was, sh- was shit on during campus life and I think is a great place to be a coach. I think they will succeed. I don't care that they're on the West Coast. It's Oregon for me. I actually have Oregon six as well. Okay. So one Austin Nath, co-founder of this great company, Camps to Canton, said that he doesn't think that they'll find success there because it's hard to, and I don't disagree with some of the sentiment that it is hard to get those Southern boys with the, that good home cooking to come to, to the West Coast and play offensive defensive line. But that dude has killed it in recruiting the past two years. I don't want to mess this up, so I'm just going to say I know for sure he was top 10. I think he was actually top five, but I know for sure he was top 10. 
going into the Big Ten, like I think Oregon is one of the best jobs to have in the country when you also have to factor in NIL. Like, say what you want. Nike's got money. Well, like, and I, Phil's I mean, Phil, Phil Knight is old, but I mean, I think Phil yeah. Knight's going to leave Oregon money in his will. Oh, 100%. like He's probably going to leave like, them everything in his will. Yeah, he's going to have a part of his will that says Oregon gets this amount of money every single year, uh, adjusted for inflation, all that, right? Yeah. So I, I have Oregon up there as well because I think Oregon is one of the only schools outside of the SEC and Big 12 who recruit at an SEC Big 12 level. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I have them there too. Um, so I have seven. LSU, who I think could have I didn't been put LSU in mind. That's a good shout. I should have put LSU in mind. I didn't. I mean, you're you're just in a recruiting state that has resources. Yeah. Um, do you want me to read the rest of my list? Because yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'll give again, you the last, give I didn't go. Couple. I didn't go ten. I went thirteen. Okay. Um, USC. I mean, I had USC. I put them right behind uh, Oregon. Yeah, Notre Dame. I had Notre Oklahoma. Dame. I did not have uh, Oklahoma. Florida State, I did have Florida Miami, State. didn't have Miami, uh, Texas A&M, and nope. Tennessee. Tennessee. Tennessee was my last one. I think Tennessee, with their NIL and what Hypo's been building, I think will take that step forward. I thought about putting Texas A&M up there because of the money, they but I want to see so much money. Yeah. I want to see, though, what they can do. Jimbo, I've, I've said for a long time, although – I feel bad because, like, I've argued both sides of this argument. At one point, I was on your side talking about, like, what Jimbo had <laughs> developed, at least defensively. Like, people crap on Jimbo. He's developed a lot of defensive talent. It's not necessarily worked out on the offensive side of things, outside of, like, Jameis Winston and, what, Dalvin Christian Cook? Ponder. Chris, well, I mean, no, you know. Christian, who is the other quarterback? I don't remember. I don't know. It doesn't I, it doesn't matter. They they were not good, but, yeah, yeah. They, they got drafted high, was not good in the NFL, but – he consistently did the least with the most. Like he was given money to bring in all these great players and just couldn't do anything with them. So I, I did not put them up there. Florida State, USC, Tennessee rounded out mine. And then I put Notre Dame kind of like tied with Tennessee because they, they are just one of those those elite programs. So, so did, did you not have Miami? I did not. I talked about this a little bit in the Cam Ward video I did the other day. I think this is this might be a make or break year for Mario Cristobal, as crazy as that is to say. He's had really good recruiting classes. I know the guy, like he's a phenomenal recruiter. I loved him at Oregon. It's actually where some of my love for Oregon comes from, is like what he was able to do there. It recruits incredibly recruits incredibly well on the offensive and defensive line. But man, if they don't have a good year this year and next year, I, I think there's a chance he's out. And I don't know how much that money matters. You had to bring in a coach. So I did not put them there. I think there's just a lot of outside factors that to me doesn't give Miami a top 10 spot. Because like the NIL, so like Tennessee came in as my 10th spot, like I said, tied with Notre yeah. Dame. I just feel they like have you a don't lot hear, of NIL money. Yeah, not only do they have a lot of NIL money, you don't hear like the people behind the scenes trying to pull strings here and there with a Tennessee and Notre Dame to make things happen like you do a Miami. Like, I think Mario Cristobal, yeah. because he's Miami's favorite son, gets a little bit more slack than others do. But, like, if it's a different coach, and I won't, don't know if we don't hear the same rumors we're hearing right now about Kalen DeBoer and these guys trying to come in and, like, get their way with DeBoer because Saban's not there anymore. Yeah, I, I, I wonder that same thing at Alabama. But I, I just think the Miami NIL situation puts it up there. But I, I understand the the question, right? Like, 
it has not been a desirable job for the last 20 years, to be honest. So you really need to get a commitment from the university and power players. All right. Did you do your college football top 12? The first, the, the first 12 team playoff going into 2024. Yeah. I, and I also broke the rule because I have a bunch of teams listed. So, okay. Well, give us your top. See, I, I think I deleted my top 12. I had it. That also had Arizona. I'll be fully transparent up as the three seed winning the big 12. That was with Jed fish. Only that happens now. So I probably have to redo mine, but go ahead and give me your 12. Georgia. Michigan. I know I had them. See, I had Ohio, Ohio State winning the Big Ten. Miami. See, I didn't have Miami in. Texas. Yeah. Oregon. Yep. Notre Dame. Ole Miss. Kansas State. Missouri. I like it. How many teams is that? Because I have a whole bunch of I don't teams. Know. I'm I lost count. I was trying to I'm trying to put my list together. I have no idea. Oh, and uh I think we get two. Um G5 schools in, and I think it's Memphis and Liberty, or Memphis and Tulane, wh- whichever. Really? I think Memphis Memphis is going to be pretty good this year, even though I don't like Brian Silverfield. I think that they're kind of primed. So I'm trying to remember my top 12. I know I had Georgia 1, Ohio State was 2. I had them winning the Big 10. Then I had Arizona 3 winning the Big 12. I have to change that now, and I don't know who I want to put in from the Big 12. I mean, Arizona, probably. I, I think it's Can- I think Kansas State is the big the best team in the Big 12. You think if, so? Assuming Fafita and McMillan leave, which I think is going to happen. It seems like it. See, I think Utah is right there. I had it between Utah actually oh, Utah, had making yeah, it as at, at large. Certainly up there. So I'm going to put Utah in. And then I had Florida State winning the ACC. I think they, because their schedule is also fairly easy. They play Clemson once. If they beat them or lose to them in the, in the championship game, I think both of them get in. I did have Clemson in. But with Miami getting Cam Ward, I will, I'm will. i going to switch it. I'm going to put Miami in. I, I like that call. I have Miami, and I actually looked at this the other day. I am Miami favored by six points on a neutral field versus Florida State. Interesting. I mean, they don't have a hard schedule. I was looking at Not the other at day all. when they played Cam, when, when we're talking about the Cam Ward. Like, I think their hardest game is Florida State. Well, that's why I like, like Missouri, too. Missouri, like, yeah, doesn't play anybody <laughs> in terms of the grand scheme of things in the SEC. So I put in, instead of in Missouri, the two other SEC teams I put in besides Georgia were LSU and Ole Miss. Because I actually like LSU's schedule as well, and they both play each other at LSU and Ole Miss. I think that was actually their hardest games besides. And at this time, I did not know Kalen DeBoer was going to be taking over Alabama. I was not really sure what Alabama was going to do. I I don't have Alabama in anyways, but I had Ole Miss and LSU in as my other ones. I had... I guess I'll put Kansas State in. I had two Big 12 teams, and I'm going to have Utah winning it, but I'll put Kansas State in, Michigan, and then I only had one G5 team in, but I had at Boise State because I think they have a very easy That's schedule. The hot name. They could go – they're not going to go undefeated because they play Oregon, I think, in week two or three. I don't think they no. beat Oregon, but like outside of that, they should win each one of their games, be the Mountain West champion. I think they have a chance to be the highest-rated Power 5 team – or, sorry, G5 team. I'll be curious to see if the – I guess the the committee, because we will still have one, I believe, will put in more than one G5 team. I feel like they're going to put one in every season, and that's it. Even if there's some that are deserving. Because, like, in mine, I had Michigan losing three games. You lose J.J. McCarthy. I think Harbaugh is going to be gone. Even if Jerome Moore takes over, they're losing all those defensive players as well to the draft. Like, I think Michigan, not necessarily a rebuilding team, 
but kind of like a reloading team. Like I don't trust Alex Orgy at quarterback either to like be a guy who changes much for them. And they play Oregon on the road. They got Ohio State on the road this year, and they also have somebody else, Texas in week two. Like is yeah, Texas. Like I think they could lose all three of those games. But I still think they make it into the playoffs. So like you're talking about a three-loss Big Ten team and probably getting in over even like a one-loss G5 team. Yeah, no, I, I see that. I, I think there's probably 22, 22 teams that, with our expectations now, can actually make the playoff. Yeah, which is awesome. I love it. Yeah, that. oh, it's great. Wait. But I mean, I think there's still only like five to seven teams that can actually win. I agree, but like we could lose three of them in like the first or second round of the playoffs. And then it just makes it because like, I know Austin's not here to make this argument against me. He talked a little bit about it on campus life this week. I suggest you guys go listen to it. It was a really good episode where he talked about like, he was always rooting for Nick Saban in Alabama where most people like root against them. They want them to fail because of the dynasty that they were. You want to see the best teams win. And I agree with that. 99.9% of the time, but you cannot tell me, and I'm going to, I'm going to play to Austin's heartstrings right now. You cannot tell me that if in 2024 Malachi Nelson takes Boise state into the playoffs and somehow goes on a magical run and wins the national championship, that is not something you will ever forget. You will talk about that forever. And then the next like 12 years in a row, likely the best team in college football is going to win the college football national championship. And that's cool. But like when you go talk about I, I, Mox, I know you are not a big NFL guy. N- not really. But I bet you can tell me what team was one of those teams that made that was the last wild card team in that went on these magical runs and beat Tom Brady's undefeated. Oh, the New Giants. Patriots. Yeah. Those are the teams that you remember. I can't tell you. I know the Kansas City Chiefs won and uh, won a Super Bowl like a year or two ago. I can tell you. Actually, I can't. The Philadelphia Eagles, I know, won a Super Bowl a year or two ago. I don't remember much about those. It's the those underdog runs, the Nick Foles, Philadelphia Eagles, Philly, Philly run to win a Super Bowl that you remember. It's the New York Giants, Eli Manning, the David Tyree catch on the helmet. Those are the games and those are the, the Super Bowls that you remember. That's where I think is going to make college football so much more fun with these 10, 11, and 12 seeds, especially if it's a G5 team like a Boise State, even if they don't win the national championship. If they make a run into like the final four, that's something we're going to talk about. For like, can you remember Malachi Nelson, Ashton Jancy, and Prince Stratton going and beating Georgia in round two of the playoffs? Georgia, your Georgia Bulldogs, and they beat him in round two to go on and end up losing to whomever. Like, that's something we will talk about forever. That's why I'm excited. You don't think so? I I like your optimism. I don't think they'll beat Georgia, but if you're not – don't tell me that if we're th- – Wednesday after first round of the playoffs, if Boise – the second round, it'll be the second round because Georgia will have a bye. Second round of the playoffs, we're here. So that's what? Right after New Year's or right around New Year's, whatever it is, because I think it starts the playoffs start December, right around December 20th, right around National Signing Day. So let's just say right around New Year's, we're all sitting here, you, me, Austin, and Felix, and we're talking about how Malachi Nelson and Ashton Jancy found a way to beat Carson Beck and the Georgia Bulldogs. That's not that is leading our show. It doesn't matter if Ohio State put up 60 on Oregon that week as well. We are leading our show with this little G5 team. Beating up the monsters of Georgia. I'm not saying it's 
as impossible as like Arkansas Pine Bluff beating Georgia, but but it's close. That's <laughs> yeah, it's probably close. Yeah, I mean, it's the beauty of college. The top football. four teams are the top four teams. The top six teams are the top six teams. Teams like ten to fourteen got no shot to win the national championship. Probably eight to fourteen. I agree. I think, I, so it's I don't think you're going to get the stories. I just think you're going to get more airtime for the networks and. I mean that's fine. They're going to make more money. Like, I mean, I'm it. fine with I'm fine with college football games with more stakes on them. To be honest with you, but when it does happen, and it will, even a like let's use Kansas State for an example. If Avery Johnson goes out there and beats Georgia, like I get it, they're probably have a better chance than Boise State, but not by that much. It makes yeah. it more interesting. Like it's going to make it interesting. Whoever those bottom seeds are, if they go on to beat. Even if you're, you know, your top four, Georgia, Ohio State, I'm trying Texas, whoever. Texas, they won't be because they're both in the SEC. Whoever your top four are. If one of them loses to one of those lower end seeds, like even if it was in Arizona, if, if say Jed Fish doesn't leave in Arizona, it goes like, that is something we will talk about. Even though, again, it's a, it's a, it's a nine seed or whatever. Like we see Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, Texas, Michigan. I said Michigan, I think. Oregon, those are like the top dogs. Those five, six, those are the top dogs of college football. If anyone besides those teams goes into the national championship and wins it, we will be talking about that. And that is a good thing overall for college football. Because right now, look, I, I love college football more than probably most people. Maybe not as much as Chris Moxley here, but more than most people. <laughs> Seeing these SEC matchups every single year in Big Ten, like, yes, it's fun. It's great to watch the best teams play each other. Do not get me wrong. I, I, I had no problem watching Georgia and Alabama go up against each other multiple times and, and getting to watch those games. They were great games. And you're going to get that, like I said, 99.9% of the time. Like, that's who's going to be in the national championship. But if we ever get one of those magical runs, I think it's immediately going to make the 12-team playoff worth it because that's what you'll remember. You'll be talking about that ad- when we are sitting here on whatever TV show because we'll, at that point, be as big as ESPN. <laughs> we'll still be talking about the Malachi Nelson Boise State Broncos going and beating all these big-name teams to win a national championship. And that's what I'm here for. I'm here for the little guy. I, I'm here for it. I think it's relatively unlikely. Just That's all right. But... I, I still, you know, I'd like to see it. It's, it would be enjoyable television. Everybody tuning in to see a major upset on in in the CFP playoffs. Like, that'd be fun. Yeah. I, I got a question for you, kind yes. of off course. Yeah. Diego Pavia to Vanderbilt. <sighs> Who's confirmed? A... Do you want do you want to talk about it or you want to? No, no, you go game? ahead because I'm not going to pretend like I, I don't even know who else is in Vanderbilt's quarterback room currently because I know transferred out can't for the life of me remember his name at the moment do they have anybody in the room not really i'm trying to think of who was it aj swan left right aj swan's gone mike wright's gone i mean okay. they don't really have anybody i actually think it's a good fit we saw jerry kill go there uh as an offensive analyst mm-hmm. so yeah that should be fun interesting i like it I still can't. The only thing I think about right now with Vanderbilt is them taking those, uh, taking those shots from whoever it was, um, the Alabama coaching staff after the Michigan game, where everybody steals signs but Vanderbilt. Because oh they're whatever, God, they because they're, they're a squeaky clean program or whatever. That was a uh, yeah. They, that was the Brian's hat of uh, college football. 
So real quick before we get out of here, we're gonna we're gonna go back in. Austin Nace is texting us saying that he's a few minutes behind on the show, but he believes Auburn is three times better than Tennessee when he's talking about programs. Care to comment? Because I disagree. I think that they should be up there. It's probably uh, an no, overlook on our part, but I would take Tennessee. Tennessee's NIL program is substantially better than Auburn's, yeah. like by a pretty good amount. Tennessee actually has one of the best NIL programs in the country. They I'm do. not sure that Auburn does, but I yeah, looked at. I, just, I mean, yeah. to I was clarify, say, I mean, point, a lot of the, the the a lot of the allure for the Auburn job is Hugh Freeze. Like he's a really yeah. good recruiter. Not sure that they can compete dollar for dollar with Tennessee. Yeah, when I when I was making my list, as I mentioned, I was looking at NIL for for all the schools as well because I think that's going to be a major factor moving forward. Tennessee was in top five of all eight lists that I looked at. Auburn did not make the top ten of any of those, so that was one reason why they did not make my top ten. I didn't even actually have them consideration for eleven or twelve. That was Notre Dame. Miami and I forgot who the other. It, well, I would have put LSU there. I I completely forgot about LSU. That was that was a massive overlook on my part. Though they didn't make it onto a lot of the list either with NIL. Surprisingly, no. I mean, it, basically, you need NIL or a really good coach, or you're in a state where there's a hotbed of talent. Yeah, and which if they're they not have, in one of those. I guess two of those. Even though I'm not the biggest Brian Kelly fan, he's shut me up for two years in a row. So yeah. I got to give the man his respect. Yeah, no, LSU is. I'm not sure Auburn has the money to compete. Although they signed a really competitive class. I'm not sure it's yeah. NIL related. I think it's more Q Freeze just is a really darn good recruiter yeah. related. I mean, we'll see. Like, I'm I'm not the biggest on Walker White, personally. I think he's a good quarterback. I love the wide receiver I mean, about, room, but I was gonna say, what about Perry Thompson and potentially yeah, Ryan I think, Williams? Well, Ryan Williams, yes. Although I think uh, I think he'll be fine, even though Walker White I think really struggles with accuracy, which is kind of my biggest issue with him. Like he's friend, a friend of the program. Talented. He is friend of the program, and I hope that he's able to improve on that accuracy. It's really, honestly, my kind of my only knock on his game. If you want me to be honest, I think if Ryan Williams goes there, he's going to outshine Cam Coleman, Perry Thompson. I don't remember the other two four stars they brought in, but like I think they're all good players. Ryan Williams is like a game changing player. He he is. Fantastic. I think he's currently he's currently he's wide receiver rated, three. Yeah, he's my wide receiver three. I think he's he might be wide receiver. No, I, I'm pretty sure everybody has Jeremiah Smith and Micah Hudson above him as well for us. But uh and he's not particularly close to those two, but maybe I'm a little bit too high on Jeremiah Smith and Micah Hudson. But I think he's gonna be really good for them. You know, we'll see. But if, uh, he, if he commits, if he commits, right? Like still a question, yeah. but he took an unconfirmed visit or uh what was it? An un um, unofficial visit to Alabama. With uh, Kalen DeBoer just the other day. Maybe DeBoer um, gets him to stay. If I'm a receiver, I'm certainly sticking with Kalen DeBoer. <laughs> you know, I, I would too. Well, that will do it for us tonight. Let us know if you guys think Boise State can make a magical run with Malachi Nelson or who. Pick a G5 team. I don't care who. Who's going to beat Georgia? Let's let's get the Georgia fans upset. Because Georgia, Georgia fans come for me every time I say anything not even that negative about Georgia. Oh, even if – listen, dude, even if you say something potentially – borderline oh, controversial it's it, it's on there i know if six, if i talk six, about six, six, georgia carson beck sneezed a little bit too hard to his left 
it's up there. I've degraded. The he, he didn't Lord do the vampire program. cough. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't cover his <laughs> spreading germs everywhere. It's all over the place now. So sorry, Kirk. Though I saw I, we weren't expecting that uh, that question there about Auburn, Tennessee. So I apologize for keeping you in the background. We will get you on next time. We really have nothing to talk about next week. So I think finally we will bring Kirk Herbstreit on and we will talk a little bit about college football with him. We will catch no. you guys next week.